Hey everybody, welcome to the show, the eternal student, I am Dan Clark, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Sean Tutal Keating, I always wanted to call you that. Yeah, I am tall. Um, six, six and a half, everybody. You ever, you ever, you ever get one of those uh, nicknames like... Uh, Shorty, kind of like the opposite. No, fact. never did. Like you call a fat guy slim, you know? I think I um, was given the nickname Big Stick in high school. Uh, we had sweatshirts for me and my buddies. I think we called ourselves the Fearless Foursome. Oh, right. And then we Sounds put, like our, a wrestling put our nicknames on the back. So it was pretty cool. We were pretty cool. Big Stick. Any... Uh could you, could you care to elaborate on that? Is that well, like you know, Roosevelt? I was a golfer. Could okay. hit the ball a long ways. And, uh, uh, you just know, was to, tall and skinny. Want, so wanted to take out any ambiguity. Yeah. I mean, don't go there, people. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. And here we go. We're going to talk about vulnerability today. Oh, my God. We're going to get deep. And um, this is all coming from... A couple of days I had in the classroom this week in my science of mindset and nutrition class in which we explore the inner workings of the mind, especially the teenage mind, and talk about um, some interesting things. And, and this week we got into a little bit of Brene Brown, who um, a lot of you probably know. She's got a, a big time book, Dare to Lead. Uh, one of the top 10 TED Talks. and uh, Big time podcast. She too, started a podcast yeah. during the pandemic and it went to number one the first week. So um, she's a big deal. I'm sure a lot of you have heard about her. Um, and her research over the years brought her to this topic of vulnerability. And um, I brought it up with my classes. And one of the great benefits of um, the hybrid model that I've experienced is the smaller class sizes. Uh, most of the time I have, you know, 10 to 15 kids. And uh, that uh, in itself is a huge benefit because in a, in a discussion-based class, it allows us to break up into groups of three or four and, and just easily discuss and come back as a whole group. And, and people are more open to share just a less intimidating environment. And, um, yeah, we watched, we primed them with um, her video, her TED Talk, and then did a little um, uh, reading about an article that she had answered some questions in and and really just talked about how her research started with going into the topic of shame and that feeling of I'm not good enough. And she spent six years researching this um, and she couldn't help but realize as she was going down this road of understanding why people feel shame and fear and that feeling of I'm not good enough, um, she found something in common with all the people that did not feel shame, that felt a sense of worthiness and a sense of love and belonging. And all of them, she realized, had a core central belief in this word vulnerability. And um, vulnerability, she talks about, comes from three C's, courage, compassion and connection. And so 
we explored this a little bit in our class. Um, it, it brought up a lot of amazing topics for me. And I guess just to start the discussion, um, in my class, um, ask kids to do a presentation called Hero Highlight and Hardship, something that came from my UCLA women's basketball coach a number of years ago. I've used with my team a couple times. Just a great way to get to know each other a little bit more. Um, and so in this classroom setting, um, students presented and and the, and the presentations really were just, they, they blew me away. Um, you hear who a, a teenager's hero is, who what their highlight of the life is, what the hardship. And of course, they're not going to always share their most inner, deepest, personal, whatever. But a lot of them were willing to do that. And either way, um, I was incredibly proud that they were willing to share and had the courage to do it. And immediately from that experience, it's given us kind of a jumping off point um, going forward because when you're willing to be vulnerable, as they showed, uh, as Brene Brown talks about, she talks about vulnerability is the foundation for love, belonging, trust, joy, and creativity. It opens the door to all of those things. And when we refuse vulnerability, we're also refusing the opportunity to experience those things, love, belonging, trust, joy, and creativity. And that in itself to me are all things we want in life, right? We want to trust each other. We want to love. We want to feel a sense of belonging. We want to have pure joy. We want to experience that. And so this is something I've kind of, you know, seen a number of times over the last few years. And just with any topic, the more times you see it, the more times you kind of see it through a different lens. And um, experiencing these discussions with my my students really opened uh, my eyes to a lot of things. And so that's kind of a starting off point for, for us today. And, and I think, you know, the question I'd start to you, Dan, is, you know, how vulnerable do you feel you are? And, and do you feel uncomfortable sharing do you feel like the question that Brene Brown asked is like do you feel you let yourself be seen yeah I think there's definitely for me I think there's definitely situations where it's easier to do those things um and it's so strange to me when I think about like why certain situations I'm able to be more vulnerable but like in front of the classroom is actually probably when I feel the most vulnerable. And I feel like I am being the most vulnerable. Like I'm sharing the most about, you know, my inner thoughts or like where I'm at. It's a, it's like a strange, I almost treat it as like a strange therapy session while I'm in front of the class. But like you put me in a different situation where it's just me. Like let's say I'm around colleagues who you'd think would be a easy place, like a safe space almost to like say what you feel. I don't say anything. I'm silent. Um, or, you know, I, yeah, even in like smaller groups with those adults, I feel like I don't, I don't actually say what's on my mind. But when I'm with, it's, when I'm with students, I feel way more comfortable just putting myself out there. I don't know what that is. Um, there's gotta be some, somebody that can analyze that and tell me why it is. <laughs> it's probably cause I'm like stuck in that, 
like uh, mindset or something, and I can't trust adult figures. I still see them as, I don't know, like judging maybe. Um, but, yeah, I think it's definitely situational. I think there's probably, like if you dig deep enough or if I dig deep enough, there's definitely situations that have caused me to be more vulnerable in certain situations versus others. Like one story that's coming to mind that uh, probably affected how vulnerable I was with the opposite sex. Uh, and that was in, in eighth grade. Uh, you know, remember the middle school dances? Those were amazing. Yeah. Amazing time in my life. Backstreet boys and sync. I loved it. It was so great. But uh, you know, every, every once in a while, they put on, uh, what, the Dixie Chicks or what's that a good slow? Uh, Casey and JoJo. Yeah. Oh, my life. There's a good Love one to it. look up, kids. Um, some Mariah Carey. Slow song is on. And uh, I go up to this group of girls. Uh-oh. And there's, and this, like, think about how, think about how vulnerable, think about how much vulnerability it takes to really just put yourself out there. Yeah. So I go to this group and I ask this girl. Uh, who I had I liked at the time, and I asked her to dance, and <laughs> they not just one, but the entire group of girls laughed in my face. <laughs> they laughed at me, and I was like, "Okay, I am going to, I'm going to go uh, stare at the wall now and pretend like my eyes aren't leaking." Um, but I don't actually remember what happened after that moment. I just know that that moment. After that, like I was not able to do that again. Like <laughs> little scarring occurred. It took, it took me probably until the age of God. I wish we had that on video. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think it was actually in a church too. The dance. We well, maybe they like, had some cameras. Can we check the tape? Yeah, right. Um, but like I can see now, looking back after that moment, like every time there was, like, I can see. I can now recall moments where. There was a girl who was probably interested in me, but I just was like, stiff arm, nope, because I am not putting myself out there again. Protecting yourself. Yeah, and that's, I think, I think that's why certain situations for people are okay. Like, maybe as a teacher, I was never, I was never shut down by my students for sharing those things, but I was shut down by girls or maybe adults and that's so why. if you think about that comment you made earlier about being with adults and maybe worried about them judging you mm-hmm. um, or what they think. I mean, that was something that came up with my, my students uh, quite a bit. Like what? And like, why do we care so much if you're sitting around that group of adults and what's preventing you from just being yourself? And I think that's an interesting argument. What, what everyone has told me during this whole discussion on vulnerability is like, yeah, certain environments I can be more open and then there's other places where I can't, which is completely um, understandable. But if you really asked yourself the question, don't you want to just be you like all the time and not have to change who you are based on who you're around? I don't think that's changing who you are, though. I think it's just like not... Not even like it's just okay. I see what you mean, but 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 we're you're not saying something or stating your thoughts or explaining your opinion because 
of what you think other people might think about it or how they might judge you. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I guess. But that, I think that's just this whole human problem of, you know, I think they, you know, childhood trauma or whatever, or trauma you've experienced in those situations, making it pretty impossible or very difficult to do so. I think you might need someone to coach you through that. Like I know Brene Brown did, I think, so she, is she a therapist herself? Yes. She said she was a therapist that went to a therapist. Yes. Um, and I think you need someone to tell you like, okay, next time you're in that situation, I want you to say something that pops into your head as if you were, if, as if you were in class and you would say that thing in front of the students. I think like it's just too it's almost like you just need a little a spotter or someone to like yeah. help you get that weight off your chest. But I think sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it. Right. So the first step is awareness. Like, oh man, I'm not saying anything or being comfortable with who I am because I'm caring what other people think. And then number two, um, you know, I <laughs> some of the stories are quite amazing, right? Like we're if I ask the question to students, you know, if your meal at McDonald's and you said no onions and they put onions on it, will you go back up to the counter? And in a lot of them, no, they, they don't have the courage to go up there and tell them, Hey, um, I asked for no onions and you put onions on it and courage comes from being vulnerable. And if you think about that in those moments, when you are like, oh, I don't agree, or I want to speak up, or I want to share. Over time, if you think about thousands of those moments, it becomes a habit. And you become protecting yourself, and you become this version of yourself. There's students in our classes that have never spoken up. And I always, you know, I go on to this little side rant, but you know, the beauty to me of young children is how excited and curious they are. If we were to walk into a kindergarten class right now and be like, hey, kids, we're going to talk about vulnerability. They'd be like, yes, let's go. <laughs> Ooh, ask me, ask me. You know, and if I go to a, a bunch of 16, 17 and 18 year olds, let's talk about vulnerability. Crickets. Let's talk about gas laws and chemistry crickets there's no excitement or curiosity so our job as educators is to make it fun and to try to bring that to light right and it's an art more than it is a science right mm -hmm. um and so as you go through this these stages and you know we've seen all the different body languages in a classroom right my hooded sweatshirts up my posture um, I don't call on me, eye contact, all of that. And we also know what an engaged learner person in general looks like. And there's so many kids that are just, uh, they're checked out and they don't want to be seen. And I think that's a big problem. And I think that these kids then become adults who don't want to be seen and are afraid to be seen. And they're afraid of what other people think. 
And unfortunately, what happens because of the digital age we live in, we then only see the world through a very specific lens. The only lens we see it through is the people we are in contact with that I'm comfortable with. That's the only lens we see. And then we sit on our phone and the only lens we see on our phone is the lens of the people we follow on social media. So all of a sudden we've narrowed our existence to a lens that is so minute and there's a wide world of people out there. There's seven and a half billion and we only see just a tiny, tiny amount. And that is something that we talked about that I think kind of blew um, their mind a little bit because we care what other people think yet we don't even know what they think. We don't want to say something that someone else might judge us on, but we don't even really know what they're thinking. So for example, in our class, students were afraid of what a student might think about them, yet they don't even know what they're thinking about them. And after it was all said and done, every single student said, wow, I respect you more. I know more about you. I feel more connected. So my point is, if we lived in a world in which people would allow themselves to be seen, we'd have a more connected world. We'd have a more empathetic world, a more compassionate world. And it all starts with being able to be vulnerable and be seen. But don't you think... Mic drop, I'm done. Don't you think... I'm going to push back, though, on that. Don't you think that they think that way like okay they think they think that someone's judging them because they too have also judged people i mean you can't tell me you've never judged someone when they say something that's uh for sure you know and i think that's where it comes from i think it's like oh they're judging that's a me great excuse because Dan. because it's not an excuse it is how is it an excuse it's an excuse because they haven't allowed each other to be vulnerable that's why it's happening but they know that they have judged people so they know that they will be judged. I think that's inevitable. Like you are, I think the point is but that they're being judged on things that are not them. Like they're being judged just based on their appearance or, oh, you play sports and I don't. So yeah, I'm definitely can't be friends with you. Well, I think they probably also judge them on like the, I mean, I've judged people on the quality of their ideas before. And I've said like, wow, this person is an idiot <laughs> because of this idea that they just told, you know, or put online. I get that. But what I'm saying is that if you got to know them and actually connected with them, like what I saw in this classroom where, hey, my parents are divorced or I went through this or I went through that or I had to move or I had to. If you see people in that way, then you're connected. You're not just judging them based on superficial or an idea. How if it is an idea a superficial yes, thing? Yes, that's not them. That's not that's not allowing them to be seen. Their idea on what? Climate change? And you're gonna judge who they are based on that? I mean there I think I don't know. There's there's ideas that I've heard people espouse online that, you know, are you know, definitely uh favor one group over another. And I'm going to say, I'm definitely going to judge you on the fact that you think that this, <laughs> this, this issue isn't a problem. I understand, but you're judging on the idea, not the person. Right, but then I also think that that person is 
<laughs> like I don't think that person's a great person because they believe they don't like they have because they have that idea. <laughs> I don't think that's wrong because I think like there are total a holes out there, and those people may not think they're wrong, but like to me, it's clear to see like oh, you're you're kind of an a hole in the way you. Put put ideas out into the world, or the, or the types of stuff you're saying to people, and I don't like. I guess, um, I don't know. I guess I see that person, <laughs> and I see that person as someone that, like, I don't want to for sure. But you're just judging with. an idea or a, a, a thought about them, and to me, it's not really my point on vulnerability. It's not. It's not really seeing the inner person. And to me, I, I just believe most people are good. I really do. I, I, I believe most people are good. And if you sat in a place where people really allowed themselves to be vulnerable and to be seen, the connection would then change. Okay. Now I understand why, where that idea is coming from. Now I understand why that's the case. And this is what also Brene Brown talks about with, you know, there's no discourse anymore because all there is is blame. Like that idea, yeah, that's wrong. Well, well, here, but here's a good example. So I remember, I remember watching a couple episodes of, of Joe Rogan in the past, and he's had people on, and he's had discourse with them, and through that discourse, and through that person trying to explain their thought process and ideas, he comes to the conclusion that, oh, you're a complete dunce. Like this, you are just a grifter. You know, you are just trying to get attention with your viewpoint and your thought process isn't very clear. And so like, I see what you're saying. And that's the, that's the whole point of like a lot of what he, he tries to do, I guess, would be to talk to somebody that is of a different viewpoint. You know, he's had people like Ben Shapiro on, you know, Ben Shapiro, he's a conservative uh, thinker, whatever YouTuber. And uh, he has discourse with them. And I mean, they have a civil discussion. He sees that person. He does actually believe that thing that you believe that he's a good guy at the, at the base of things. But, you know, there are parts of his, you know, philosophy. Well, yeah, you can disagree with the philosophy, but what are you saying? That makes him a terrible person. No, I don't know what I'm trying to say, really. What was the point you were you were bringing up again? I'm trying to say if we would live in a world where people would be more vulnerable, and even in that situation where they're having discourse, they're going to have a connection after that. Right. Because they're willing to listen with the intent to learn why they're thinking the way they are. And then, yeah, if you want to disagree with an idea or an opinion or whatever, yeah, that's fine. But what I'm talking about is more of a connected world that that too many people won't even have a discourse they won't even have a conversation they won't even put an idea out there because they're so afraid of what other people will say maybe people like you well (laughs) i don't know (laughs) let's change topics here um one of the things she talks about with vulnerability is the reason that we don't like vulnerability is because we don't like uncertainty And it's natural, humans. We want to know what's going to happen. And if you look at the pandemic, which um, is almost a year into now, that's what most of us had to deal with, uncertainty. We didn't know. Nobody knew exactly how this was going to play out. And as humans, we are wired to want to know. 
We want to know when our next meal is. We want to know that we're going to have a safe home to come home to. We want to know um, our next steps in life. And so a lot of times we try to make things certain. And we try to avoid uncertainty. And so we want to just try to mask it. And, you know, she talks about numbing it. We live in a society in an American adult cohort that's the most obese, most addicted to drugs and alcohol, most addicted to pain medication that has ever existed in the history of humanity. Because when we feel vulnerable, when we feel the need to be seen, to express ourselves, we then don't want to do it. So we numb it. And we find different ways to numb it, whether that's distract ourselves with social media or technology or like she talked about, food, alcohol, different things. Or, hey, I'm just going to hang out with this group of friends because that's going to distract me, but we're never going to have real conversations. And we know at some point we all have to deal with whatever you want to call it, trauma or inner baggage or whatever. At some point there's going to be an awakening And we've talked on this show many times about why does it have to take a tragic moment to have people wake up and realize, oh, maybe I should see things a little bit in a different way. And so I think a lot of times we pretend our actions like don't have an impact on people. We pretend that like, oh, we're just dealing with us or we're just protecting ourselves this way. But a lot of times that lack of having a connection with others or being vulnerable is having an impact. And you can think of family members, friends, colleagues that all do this. And it's like, man, if we were willing to open up and share a little bit, and we're not sharing, saying you have to go up to just random strangers and tell them everything about yourself. But I think if we live in a world where people are willing to just be themselves and we are also willing to, to love them just for who they are and stop trying to make people have to be different. I think that that would just open up to a much more empathetic world that I would want to be a part of. Yeah. I'm still trying to think through some of this stuff because uh, like we also talk about on this show, like how it's important to surround yourself with, you know, positive people, you know, people that are going to help you, grow as a person and i don't think like i i think there i think it's important to definitely acknowledge those things about other people that are outside of those group outside of that tight group of yours but also you know don't you don't have to necessarily i don't know seek out everybody and include them in this you know um this tight group that you're going to be extremely vulnerable with. Like, I guess I think it's, I think there's a level or a, like a, a spectrum of vulnerability that you, that, you know, you have a, a hand on the dial of, like, I think, I think you're right about being somewhat vulnerable, like in most situations or in situations where maybe you're more guarded. But I also think that you can turn that, like that dial doesn't need to be as turned up as when you're with that tighter knit or closer group that allows you to, you know, um, express those things. And, and yeah, and I would push from. back and I would say, think about the happiest people that you know. 
And if you think about the people that are really positive and that you enjoy being around, they don't really seem to me to change too much about who they're around. Like they, they are who they are and they're very comfortable in their own skin. And that is something that I definitely, um, from this is something that I definitely like think about is that wouldn't it be great to just be yourself all the time? And I'm not saying like, I think we get caught up in this vulnerability of like, that mean, does, yeah, so, does yeah, that mean does I got to share this like deep, dark secret with like my, my colleague? No, I don't think that does. I think it just means being willing and able to just be who you are and stop closing or numbing in certain situations. I think it's small tweaks, but I just think um, overall, sometimes we're way too much of a chameleon and we change who we are based on the environment we're around. And I think when I, again, I just come back to, and this is a very hard concept. I, I, it's been about three years that I've, I've dove into this and it also shows that, you know, she spent six years on shame and fear because we're wired to focus on the negative. She wanted to find out why people are so fearful and shame. And then she realized, whoa, 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 whoa. Look at all these people that feel that they're worthy, that feel that they deserve to be loved. This is what they have in common. These are the things that they do. And on the flip side, these are the things that they that the people that don't feel a deserving of love do. And so to me, it's again comes down to a little bit of science and here are the here's the facts, here's the research. The foundation of vulnerability provides more joy, more happiness, more creativity, more willingness and feeling that you deserve to be loved and something i see with teenagers a lot is you know unfortunately kids that don't feel they deserve to be loved they don't feel a sense of belonging it's because those eighth grade girls laughed in their face <laughs> a powerful message <laughs> no i t like i totally i get it like i've said i have believed in this this idea of being you know the the same person, at, at least in education, like I really try to be the same person in the classroom that I am outside of the classroom. It's not like I'm putting on some sort of facade or the person I am on this podcast is the same person I am when I'm in that classroom. But like if you do, and, and it's easier said than done, but if you do examine all the different, you know, crowds that you associate with or positions you find yourself in, like it is there are situations you can see where you're not doing that. You know? It's even as simple as this, maybe a different avenue to, and you can tell we've struggled through this, but the feeling that like to feel I'm good enough, which is self-love and self-care. And Dr. Kampoff talked about that. Like she just like her, her big mission was like, I just wish people would be nicer to themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think too often we're so mean to ourselves and we shame ourselves, and we feel that we're not worthy. And that, to me, is blocking vulnerability. And what opening up is feeling, no, I am good enough. I'm good enough to speak up in this class. I'm good enough to try out for mock trial. I'm good enough to um, whatever. It could be the smallest of things. But if you don't believe you're good enough, you don't have the courage 
to do anything. You don't have the courage to return your burger at McDonald's if you don't feel you're good enough. And we've got to get to a place where as adults and parents, we understand the most important thing is to make our children and make the the next generation feel that they are loved and they do belong. Because if they don't feel that, they lack the courage, compassion that they need to connect. You know, I watch, this This actually kind of times out really nice. This last weekend I watched a documentary about Mr. Rogers. It was called Won't You Be My Neighbor. Have you seen this documentary? I have not, you but I love Mr. You should, Rogers. You got to watch it. I, was, I cried like, I'm like tearing up right now just thinking about really? the guy. That guy is amazing because all that stuff you just said is all the stuff he talked about, right? If, you, if no one's familiar with it, check it out. I don't know where you can find all the episodes of his show, but just watch the documentary. It's on like IMDb TV, which is a free app now. Um, but his message was, you know, you're special and I love you just the way you are. Like that is something that, no, he's gone. Nobody is saying that anymore. And he is this, he was this guy that, you know, nobody thought, or like if you had to, if you wrote his attributes out on paper, this like, what 50 year old guy with a sweater who can't like doesn't isn't very charismatic but's just calm and kind of nerdy like he's not supposed to be a television star but by god ask anybody above the age of i don't know 30 and they'll tell you that they watched mr rogers and learned those things from him and even him himself he himself there we go he had those feelings of like doubt and he he did he was he struggled with vulnerability like he one of the ways that he found was a, a good way to express his messages was through music so like um a lot of his songs told the lessons or taught the ideas that that, that you know were about loving yourself and trusting yourself and uh being okay with just being yourself Um, and he couldn't do those. He couldn't, he said like, he couldn't say those things. He felt like he had to sing them because he was afraid of that judging. And even there was one clip that they played where if if everyone's familiar, so Daniel Tiger is the, is the, his puppet, his original puppet, which is now a cartoon. And there was a, an episode that he did once where Daniel Tiger was was judging himself like I'm not good enough, right? And this other character, I can't remember her name, Miss something something, this lady who would walk around and talk to the puppets, but she sang the other half, like you are worthy, you are amazing. And the important part about the scene was that once that lady started singing, it wasn't like it wasn't like the other singing just went away. So the point is, is that. You know, you may you may hear this and you may think like, yeah, I'm going to tell myself that I am amazing all the time and I'm going to change this part of me. But the reality is, is that that other voice that's telling you that you're not good enough, it doesn't go away. But you have to sing the other half of the song on top of it so that, you know, it's not just one side dominating the conversation in your head. And you got to have both things going on. And it was a really 
like one of those things that as a kid you're not realizing what they're what they're trying to tell you but wow I, I when they told when they explained it to me as a 32 year old like mm-hmm. my mind was blown you know yeah that's powerful i mean i think we've all seen uh, a child of whatever age get some confidence and get some belief in themselves whether they they be you know they're good at something whatever it might be maybe it's art maybe it's music maybe it's athletics school whatever they find kind of their thing and when you see a child start to get some belief in themselves it immediately changes everything about them um and you know i've talked a lot about like when i got into coaching i read every john wooden book and the number one thing he said as coaches that we could do is 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 just tell our players every day that you know i believe in you that power of belief. Um, and as a parent, I think that's super powerful. And then in Joel Ehrman's book, um, Inside Out Coaching, um, you know, he talks about, and I always feel a little bit whatever when I share this at a, at the parent meeting, but like the number one thing he talks about the parents could do for their child when they play an athletic event or perform in, in music or dance or whatever is just say, hey, I, you know, I love you and I loved watching you perform. That's it. That's all you need to do. And it's so hard to do that, I'm sure. And I'm going to experience it as my kids get, get older. Um, and with my athletes, I try, we try to instill in them that your performance does not determine your value in this world. You're going to have good games and bad games. But who you are as a person is is we, we value you, we love you, and you belong. And the results of your life, whether it's an event, a grade, a whatever, does not determine who you are as a person. And you should not feel like who you are needs to be validated based on the success you have. And unfortunately, in our society, we base everything off those results, off the grade, off the score of the game, off the playing time, the minutes, the awards, the scholarships, everything. We base our value off those things. Um, and I think it's it's really an amazing moment when you can get kids to buy into that the result doesn't matter, but who you are as a person um, is going to be, you're going to, we're going to still love and value you the same way, regardless of the result. You know, as you were saying that, the example that came to my mind was a a pro wrestling match. <laughs> obviously, I mean, so I don't know if you're familiar, but obviously they know the outcome of yep. the match, and this is almost like it's like it's that same it's that same idea. I mean, you want to you want the the show to be good or the match to be entertaining, and the end result to those two wrestlers means nothing. Like everything is about just you know putting on that show in the middle that they can be proud of i mean that like just because i'm so i've been into that world for a while but like there are matches obviously that people lose and they think like wow that was awesome that was such a amazing piece of work that we just did and the fact that they lose it means nothing right and like that's something definitely to take away is that you know that result it it means nothing (laughs) and everything 
that happened in the middle there was kind of the the important part. Yeah, it's 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 the performance, it's the process, it's the the journey, and um, that's what's so powerful about you know sports for me is that they teach things that I, I just feel like it, it's so hard to get out of a lot of other things. Um, one other thing, and then we can start to wrap up, is that, you know, when she talked about certainty and uncertain, um, talked about how, you know, we just always want to filter, like, I'm not going to deal with the bad stuff, only the good stuff. And so that's another part of vulnerability is, like, I'm not going to let anyone see my bad stuff. I'm not going to talk about or deal with the bad stuff. And I know from my years as an educator, there's a lot of students that have some bad stuff and they've had no one to talk about it with or never kind of reframed that story in their own head. And you can just read it on their face. Um, they only want to, kind of defer or deflect and deal with the good stuff. And so in our lives, I think this is something we all deal with is that when the bad stuff happens, we kind of try to suppress it, kind of try to like just put it away. And um, it really unnerves us. And yet what's crazy about like just the human brain is that we only focus, like our brain is wired to focus on the negative and to focus on the bad things. So what you were saying about that song in the background, like it's an everyday battle. It is not just like, oh, all of a sudden I believe in myself or all of a sudden I'm vulnerable. It is, and Brene Brown talked about, it was a year with a therapist and it's still an everyday battle for her. She talks about it in her book. It's not something that you're just going to flip. Um, but I think if, if, if we're not at least open to having these conversations, um, and being willing to listen and to see people for just who they are and saying, you don't have to be any different than who you are. You're okay, just who you are. Then it's a great foundation um, to kind of get, get people in general just to feel that, okay, it's okay for me to just be me. And once they're in an environment where they can be themselves, they'll flourish. We see it all the time where kids just they, they just mature beyond belief because they're in a place. And as a parent, as an educator, as a coach, that's like one of the coolest moments is once you see that light bulb go on and that their belief in themselves is what you had always hoped it would be. But think about also like, man, it's, I'm just thinking of all the opportunities that are missed in like, you know, in classrooms all around the world where a teacher doesn't allow someone to be themselves and they're almost like punished because of it and how that takes those moments of like turning somebody from flourishing into just you know totally extinguishing who they are and extinguishing their flame and I think that happens a lot like I, the other day I was I was dropping my son off at daycare and there was a, another girl she ran by this window or something, and this lady was like, no running. And I was like, why not? Let the kid run. Like, yeah. it's just a giant open space. Nothing bad's going to happen. But, like, that right there was just, like, a tiny example of just extinguishing that person. Or, like, in class, you know, some kid, like, I can think of my experiences in high school when, you know, I like to say little jokes 
when after the teacher said something, and sometimes they would not appreciate that. <laughs> and those were moments that, like, those were, I think those are vulnerable moments, and it's our duty as teachers to try and foster those, but some teachers don't. They just, like, take them and they crush them. Yep. And I think that's a problem. And I Yeah, think, you hear some of those stories about a kid got yelled at and fourth grade so then i'm done ever talking ever again in class you know um and that goes to something i read in a coaching book a long time ago about be careful because the role that we have as parents educators coaches all the influencers is you can leave scars on these kids and the scars who knows how long they're gonna they're gonna stay and um I see it all the time with whether it was something a coach said to a kid in fifth grade, which is still preventing them from doing what I'm asking them at the varsity level or whether it's the way they were raised or something in their head. It, 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 we, she said it, we pretend like our actions don't have an impact on people. We pretend like, no, see, I just, I haven't done anything. I just got my hood up and I sit here. So I haven't, I haven't done anything wrong. But even your, to me, your, your, your inaction is just as damaging as some of these people that are having, you know, more damaging things with what the words they're saying or, you know, how they're conducting themselves. And so what's the impact you're having on other people? And, and we feel like it's not our, you know, well, I mean, why should I have to do it? And I just think if we can build everyone into being like let's all have an impact because we all know right even the the richest most materialistic people realize at some point life is about what i give to others that's where the real fulfillment is and so if we understand that why do we have to wait till the end of life why do we got to wait to make mistakes why don't we just do it right now yeah that's <laughs> Definitely a good question you should ask yourself probably every day. Um, and yeah, this, these are episodes that, you know, like, like you said about videos, it's good to go back to stuff and watch them again or, or listen to things again because we have terrible memories. Actually, one of the things I started doing again that uh, Dr. Kampoff talked about on, on her episode of the podcast, which, by the way, go back and listen to that one um, because there's great nuggets in there, but was her was her extra was her grit exercise so i suck at journaling well i mean there's there's some negative self talk right there yeah. right uh, but i'm trying to get better at journaling and so i started off with just writing down my grit which was you know what are you grateful for i think she was like three things you're grateful for remember your why um what what is your intent for the day and then talk positive self-talk what is what is it that you need to hear today from yourself that's going to kind of set you on on that path and I mean that's for, for me that exercise is is totally in line with this talk about vulnerability um, and just putting yourself a little bit more out there being more authentic being courageous like once you start by kind of framing the day in those terms, it's a lot easier to remember these things that 
are so easily forgotten. Yeah. I would just encourage all of our listeners to think about, um, are you letting yourself be seen? And, uh, what does that mean to you? Think about it, reflect on it, journal about it. Um, because if we know that, uh, being vulnerable is going to open doors to joy and belonging and love, um, I think we'd be foolish not to look at it. So I encourage you, um, find a way to believe in yourself, find a way to pump some belief and, uh, some love into others. And, uh, be an eternal student and keep working on it because it's not going to happen overnight. That's right. And in the words of Mr. Rogers, we love you just the way you are. We'll see you next time here on the Eternal Student. Check out our Instagram page, blah, blah, blah. Got a website coming out. Kind of was going to surprise you with that, Sean. So stay tuned. There's t-shirts available. It's a thing. It's a, it's a big thing. It's chilly out there, people. Stay warm.